Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Good morning, Windsor Christian Fellowship. Good morning, happy people. We're so happy you could be here with us, and hopefully you've gathered the family and got your coffee and tea and uh, got together on the couch, and we're so happy that you could be with us today. I'm on coffee today, not tea. (laughs) Yes, we're both on coffee. Um, So good morning, and uh, this morning we want to take the opportunity to acknowledge and to pray for all of those families and those people who are affected by the senseless acts of violence, the horrible acts of violence that happened out in Nova Scotia this past week prior. Um, Good friend of mine, Robin and Margaret, they just moved out there to that little town, Port-a-Peak, and boy, Robin, you bring the trouble with you. (laughs) We're very glad you guys are safe, though. Yes, and it's really sad that in a time like this, when we have tragedy that happens, especially right now, that we don't have the physical comfort and the sympathy and the consolation that we have from our friends and our family and our neighbors all around us. But we need to have hope and we know that our prayers go the distance. Our prayers cover all the miles and that they will affect those people in Nova Scotia. So we thank God for that. RJ, would you like to pray for us? Absolutely. So Father, I thank you for today. I thank you that we can all gather together, apart, but together. Lord, I thank you for all the people that lost loved ones and even some of the first responders that passed away this last week, Lord, because of that tragedy. Lord, I ask for comfort to come to the families and grace to be upon them, that your mercy will be present as they begin the process of healing and restoration. Father, I thank you that even in the midst of all the other things going on in our land, Lord, and all the self-isolating and all of the crisis that people are dealing with, I thank you that we can look to you, that we don't have to be discouraged or depressed, that your hand of favor and protection is upon us, and that your word is true, and Psalms 91 says that no plague will come near our household. So we stand on your promises today, and we look to you, Father, in faith, expecting and believing good things to happen in our lives and in those around us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, we're going to be continuing in the series on focus. Absolutely. Look in the mirror today. Yes. So today, um, with perspective, I wanted to talk about and start with and asking ourselves, is your cup half full or half empty. It's a little bit past half full right now. Yes, mine is still quite full as well. Do you see adversity and change as stumbling blocks? Do you see them as obstacles? Do you see them as just um, another circumstance filled with more pain and more heartache and suffering for you, like the world is against you? Or do you see them as an opportunity a challenge, a teachable moment of growth, and for God to show himself strong in the midst of your weakness. I want to read Habakkuk 3, verse 19, and this is in the Amplified Version. The Lord God is my strength, 
my source of courage, my invincible army. He has made my feet steady and sure like hinds feet. And he makes me walk forward with spiritual confidence on my high places of challenge and responsibility. So, you know, right now in all of the things that are happening and, and the different circumstances and different crises and different trauma and tragedy that's happening in our lives, it's important that we know, that we realize, that we trust, that none of those things took God by surprise. He already knows. And in fact, he has made the way out for you already for what has happened and what has occurred in your life. But sometimes the way out is not the same as you would picture it to be, and it's always different. So there are certain times in our lives where we've received a supernatural deliverance from God, and things happen instantly just like that. But there are other times in our lives where the process and walking things out and the way that God is making out for us can be very painful. It can be a really long process and not so easy. And there are many tears and heartache and pain and a long road. And you're sitting there asking God, why is this happening? But every step of the way, we need to believe, we need to know, and we need to hope and trust that every step of the way, God is saying that I am your invincible army. I am your courage. I am the one, as you look to me, causing your feet to be steady and sure. So when it happens that you're in the place, at the very peak, as the scripture says in Habakkuk, on your high place, at the very peak of challenge and responsibility and suffering, when you think that you are about to break and God is saying, I've got you. I'm the one who is your invincible army. No weapon formed against you will prosper. And he's saying to you that he wants you to know that your cup already is half full from the perspective of you have already the victory. You have already so much going for you. You have so many things working in your favor. And from that perspective of the cup being already half full, God is saying, that I am the one making and building a bridge for you through your circumstance, through what it is that's trying to hold you back. God is making the way for you from the very thing that is that obstacle that is trying to stand in your way, whatever it is that is causing you trauma and heartache. As long as we look to him and keep our eyes on him and our courage in him, that he is building that bridge for you to get you through the circumstance, to get you to the other side, and to make what he says here back in Habakkuk, to make me walk forward, not backward, but to walk forward with spiritual confidence to make progress. So it's one step at a time with God and to make progress with him. So you're taking another step closer. So that stumbling block that you think is there, God is actually building you a bridge and making a way that it's the stepping stone that you're going to walk with that's going to help you cross the bridge to get to the other side of that circumstance and see breakthrough happen to make spiritual progress. Psalms 1 verses 2 and 3 says, but they that delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night, 
They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all that they do. So we need to remember, even in, and there, let's be really real here. There are some real things that are happening right now. People are walking through loss and grief and lots of suffering happening. Uh, The self-isolation, the loneliness, the depression, the heaviness that can come upon us. We, We need to know and we need to understand that God says that if we look to him, if we meditate on his word, that he will make sure that you will bear fruit even in this season, even in the winter, that you will bear fruit, that you will make spiritual progress, that he is your invincible army, he is your courage, and you will make spiritual progress. Amen? Amen. That's a really good point. I love that about how God is building a bridge for you as you're walking through the circumstance. That's really good. So I'm going to kind of pick up from there. And when you're looking in the mirror, what do you see? When you look within, what are you, what are you seeing when you look within your life and, and when you look inside? And I found a way to get Lamentations into the message today. So Lamentations 340, instead, let us test and examine our ways and let us turn back to the Lord. There's an element to the conversation that we have to have where we have to examine our own heart. We have to open our heart to let the the Holy Spirit point out to us the areas inside of our life where maybe we're a little bit deficient or maybe we're off course or maybe there's some darkness inside of us that the Holy Spirit would like to address. So we have to have this testing or this examining of our ways. And if we find ourselves not where we need to be, we need to get back on track. I don't know if you've ever been driving somewhere and sometimes when you're going somewhere new and you don't quite know the way, um, you get a little bit off course and you kind of pull over to the side of the road and you're trying to get your bearings and figure out where you are and your GPS says navigate off road and you look up and you see a field in the way between where you want to be and where you are. That's always awesome. Um, But what happens is, you know, you take a minute and you kind of, you have to recalculate or you have to recalibrate your life and make sure that you're getting back on track. And sometimes in life, we get a little bit off course and we have to stop, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us and address the issue in our life through the word of God. And then we start taking steps back to where God would like us to be. This is the turning back to God that we're talking about. Within that, which way are you going to go? And in Psalms 119, 59 and 60, it says, I pondered the direction of my life and I turned to follow your laws. I will hurry without delay to obey your commandments. You know, everybody's given a choice. And uh, one time we were, we were coming back from a family vacation and we decided that we were going to go hiking and we, we like hiking as a family, and we try to find, you know, more advanced trails. Nothing crazy. We're going to fall off a 200-foot cliff, but, you know, we do like some more advanced trails where the kids have to actually climb a little bit and work a little bit. And we were hiking Orange Trail. I think it was in Ohio. And I'll never forget, should have listened to the Holy Spirit. Should have listened to my wife and the Holy Spirit. They were both talking to me. And I remember we had gone through the day after some pretty heavy rains, but the trail is located in the middle of a floodplain. And you get to this one point and it says, if it's wet, make sure you don't continue along this way. You take this and it'll lead you back to the main trail. But you go around the lowlands. Well, being the stubborn pig-headed man that I am. I said, let's take the trail through the lowlands. We can do it. It doesn't look like it's that bad. That and the girls really wanted to go through the mud. Oh, yeah. We were 
covered in mud. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun in the end, but man, we were, we were covered in mud for a bit. But see, I should have pondered the direction of my life and followed the sign that said... And um, listen to your wife. Yeah, listen to my and wife. And the voice of the Holy Spirit often sounds like your wife, you know. Uh, sometimes he does, yeah. Anyway... The point is, we need to obey God's commands. And when the Holy Spirit's speaking to us, we need to make a point to listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying to us. And sometimes, you know, we don't make the right choice, and then we get muddy. And in life, when you get muddy, um, there's consequence. There's pain that we have to walk through because of our choices. But the truth is, all of us have a choice every day how we're going to live life. The law of uh, sin, you know, it was released in the earth when Adam and Eve fell. And from that point, everybody has freedom of choice. We can choose whether we're going to obey God, not obey God. And I wanted to go to 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. And it says, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. And I know the context that Paul's talking to here, but if you look at some of the commentaries, Matthew Henry, let us question our own souls. Either we're true Christians or we are deceivers. Barnes, this examination, however, is never unimportant or useless for Christians. An exhortation to do it is always in place, which is what? Examine our own lives, examine our hearts. So important are the interests at stake and so liable are the best to deceive themselves that all Christians should be often induced to examine the foundations of their hope of eternal salvation. The Cambridge Bible says, whether Christ be present and active working within you, the certain result of all true faith. So we have to test to make sure that we're in the faith. We have to make sure we're living the Christian life. We have to make sure we're in relationship with Jesus, which leads me to what I'd like to talk to you all about next. Because the truth is, it's really hard to focus within if you don't have the Holy Spirit helping you and guiding you to show you the areas that need to be adjusted. Left to our own devices, we often end up in deception. We often end up deceived. So what happens is, God sent Jesus to earth to reveal truth to us. Jesus lived a sinless life. He revealed truth from his word about who he is and his plan for mankind. When he was crucified and died on the cross and spilled his blood for you and me, what happens is that paid the price for all of our sin if we accept his sacrifice by faith. And what happens is when you put your faith in Jesus and you accept his sacrifice and you repent or you turn your life around and you stop sinning, then you can give your life to Christ. The Holy Spirit comes in and you start navigating through life as a Christian where as you're reading the word of God, it's going to start pointing out the dark areas inside of your life. And then you start making the adjustments. You're given a choice. Am I going to follow God? Am I going to serve my flesh? Am I going to do what I want to do? And so many times we choose wrong. We choose to serve our flesh and then we have to eat the fruit of that. And it's never sweet fruit when you make the wrong choice. It's always bitter. And the truth is our motives are often revealed by the Holy Spirit when you're reading the Bible. So when you're looking at the word of God, when you're looking, you know, at the, in the book of James, it's talking about looking in the mirror because the perfect law. Well, when we're looking at the word of God, which is the perfect law, it's always going to reveal to us the areas that we're not obeying God like we need to. And then we have to do what? We turn back to God. We get our lives back on track and we make the adjustments that we need to do. So 
Maybe you're listening to us today and you've never really given your life to Christ or maybe you've never repented of your sin or maybe you don't have the Holy Spirit speaking to you and from, from the inside and you're not living life from the inside out. So I've had them, they've put a number up on the screen, um, our church office number and our email address for receptionist. I'm going to pray with you right now. And if you've never prayed that prayer before and you'd like one of our pastors to give you a call and talk to you about this a little bit more, uh, please email us with your contact information or call our church office. And I'll say this, while we're, while we're kind of here with call us, you know, we're doing our best to contact people and we've got mentor group leaders and we've got ministry leaders and we've got different people that are trying to keep all the connections up. But inevitably, there's some of you that we've probably missed and haven't been able to contact. But I'll suggest to you this. Hey, reach out to us. Give us a call. We'll pray with you. If you want to talk to one of our pastoral team, give us a call at that number and say, hey, I want a pastor to call me. And we'll get one of our team members to give you a call. And uh, then we can have a conversation. So, Father, I thank you for each person listening today. And, Lord, I thank you for those that maybe have never given their life to you. And right now, Father, if they can choose to repent of their sin and activate faith in the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and surrender their life to him, turn around your life today. Father, I thank you that you'll save us. That's what your word says. And we can have eternal life with you. And we can gain forgiveness of sins and be restored to relationship with the Father. So today, Father, I thank you for each person listening that's never surrendered their life to you. And I thank you that now the indwelling of the Holy Spirit has come so that they can know you and you can start revealing truth to them every single day. In Jesus' name. So if you prayed that with me, and that's the first time you've ever done that, give us a call, send us a note, and we'll make sure someone gets in touch with you. And my wife's going to continue talking about motives now. Yeah, so to continue layering on that, I love, there's this quote that uh, Robert Morris says often. And he says, the more you read your Bible, the more your Bible reads you. And that is a pretty profound statement that he says, very one sentence, very short, but says so much. And in Psalms 26, verse 2, uh, it says, put me on trial, Lord, and cross-examine me. Test my motives and my heart. In Matthew 6, verse 21, it says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So I wanted to ask us, do we allow the word of God to cross-examine us? Do you allow the word of God to ask you those hard questions? Like where does your treasure lie? And if your treasure isn't lying in the best place and your priorities aren't in the best place, and the Holy Spirit is trying to show you, this is truly where your heart is, do we listen? Do we allow God to ask us those hard questions, the Holy Spirit to prompt us and ask us those questions? Because I know that when we're reading, I know for sure, when we're reading the Word, the Word of God, the more it is going to shine a light on those things in our lives that don't necessarily align up with His Word. In Hebrews 4, 12, verse 13, and this is such a powerful, powerful verse. For the Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, 
cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. I don't know about you, RJ, but that, when I read that scripture, immediately I can, I sense like the spirit of God and the fear of the Lord that nothing is hidden from him. Even if I'm trying to hide something from him and I even don't want to acknowledge it and I'm not ready to go there yet, God knows everything is naked and exposed to him. And it's in those times that we need to be praying. You know, Psalms 51 verse 10 says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and make me willing to obey you. You know, that's really powerful to be uh, that prayer, to be praying those prayers because in order to be willing to obey God, it means that your will is not what you're praying for, but you're praying for the obedience in order to be willing to be willing to do what God is asking you to do, even when it's difficult, even when it's hard. And that when he's pointing those things out to us, when he's actually showing us, this is where your treasure is, but this is where your treasure should be. You're storing up treasure here on earth, but this is where you store up treasure in heaven. And this is how we do it. So I want to encourage us that in our times of focusing inward, that we really need to be allowing that accountability with the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to um, put us on trial. Like the word says, cross-examine our heart and to test our motives. So, so many times in our lives, circumstances and situations will come up that test exactly where we're at and what comes out of us. And immediately that's an opportunity for us in that moment to say, okay, God, this is a teachable moment. This is a moment where I can grow with you or I can just totally stuff it and put it aside and not pay attention and just keep going the way I want to go or I can allow that work of sanctification, that process of producing character in my life for you to work in my life and to cross-examine my heart, to ask me those hard questions. And then for me to sit down and really listen and get quiet and listen to your Holy Spirit and what you're actually doing in my life and how you're shaping my heart and then changing my heart so that when I'm going to be tested again, in that very same place that I'm going to pass the test and I'm not going to keep going around the mountain again and I'm not going to have to continually take that test over and over again, but I'm going to pass and I'm going to move on and I'm going to make spiritual progress with him, step by step, making progress with God. Amen. So it's really important that we allow the word of God to reveal our motives as you're reading it. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about is we need to stop looking at everybody else. You need to stop comparing yourself to everybody else. You need to stop judging everyone else. I mean, Jesus, he talks about this in Matthew 7. He says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye, hypocrite? First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. 
And one of the things is we, we see this from time to time where people want to judge one another and they, they usually end up in one of two extremes. They end up very critical or they end up very um, self-righteous, you know. And when you start comparing yourself to other people, you're setting yourself up for failure. You know, here's the bottom line. God has called each and every one of us not only to obey his word, but he's given us specific giftings that we're supposed to serve in that capacity. For instance, if I'm a pastor teacher, my job is to teach and to train congregants or the body of Christ so that they can go and do the work of the ministry. I do that line upon line, concept upon concept. That's my gift. That's what I'm supposed to start doing or start operating in. And what happens is you can't, if you're not called to be a teacher, you're called to be something else. Maybe you're called to serve in a different capacity. So what happens is we compare our giftings and that's foolishness. It's just like everybody has a different function in the culture. You know, right now we see some people have to go run cash registers and some people stock shelves and some people keep order and some people tend to the sick and some people, you know, everybody has a different role within society so that society can function. The same is true within the body of Christ. And if each of us do our function as God has created us and gifted us to do, then the, the work gets done and it's a complete picture. But when you start looking at someone else and judging them based on what God has called them to do, number one, who are you to judge another man's servant? Who are you to judge someone else? Okay. Did you put yourself in the place of God where now you can judge what God has decided to do in someone's life? And then secondly, you know, um, when you start judging other people's work and comparing it to what you're doing, oftentimes you're going to look and you're going to try to build yourself up at the expense of someone else. Oh, look at all the things I do. And the truth is, you're not the one that determined which gifts you have. God determined what gifts you have. You're to be faithful stewarding the gifts that God has given you. And, um, you know, I remember years ago, uh, my parents actually, um, they, they, they like building houses, um, living in them for a little while, and then selling the house. But, you know, every time they sell the house, they make a little bit of money. They make a profit when they sell the house. And then they'll build another house, and then they'll sell it, and they'll make a little bit of money. I remember this guy wrote a letter to us, and it was like 23 pages about um, all these things that were not true about my parents and their finances, you know, like, no, they don't drive a Rolls Royce that the church paid for. No, they don't, you know, like, there was all these silly things, and that they're making a million dollars a year in salary. No, that's not true either, you know. And I remember I sat down with him, and I went through all, all 21 things that he had on his pages, and I explained to him this is false, this is not true, this is not true. And he walked out the door and he started telling people the same thing that he was saying before he came in. He was unwilling to listen to the truth about the situation and he was in judgment. It's amazing how that affects us in our life when we start judging others. And, and this goes on and it talks about if you've got a log in your own eye, don't go deal with the speck in someone else's eye. We have to deal with that. Galatians 6 really does a good job picking up there and explaining this. In verse 1, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly, everyone say gently and humbly. Gently and humbly. Gently and humbly. Help that person back onto the right path. Be careful not to fall into some same temptation yourself. Because see, if we go in with the I am the high and mighty Christian and you are the lowly sinner, we've got the log in our own eye and we're going to fall into the same temptation. We open the door to let the enemy come into our own life. 
share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Pay careful attention to what? To your own work, for then you'll get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are respo each responsible for our own conduct. See, the Bible's pretty clear there. You're responsible for your life. If you're godly and you love people and you see someone struggling and you want to come beside them humbly and gently and try to steer them back onto the path, fantastic. If you want to try to manipulate and coerce people so that they try to live like you think they're supposed to, you know, we know what the Word of God says, how all of us are supposed to live, but we have to make sure that our motive is pure if we're reaching out to help others. Because if your motive is not pure, you're opening the door to the tempter in your own life, and you could fall into the same temptation that they're dealing with because you're judging them. You're passing judgment on their life, and that judgment comes back on you. Um, that's what it is talking about earlier. I was reading that in Matthew chapter 7. So it's really important that all of us purpose to not judge others, right? We have to judge our own life first. It's really important that you examine yourself. You look within. You make sure, hey, am I in the faith? Am I doing the things that God has called me to do? Am I obeying God with the things that he's placed in my hand? You know, and I was really encouraged last week after the message. I was talking to one of my friends, and he was just sharing um, a little testimony of how God gave him an opportunity to really be a blessing to a widow who um, is going through a hard time right now uh, because of the current uh, dynamic in the culture. And, and you know what? I value that my friends follow the biblical truth and they look out for widows and they look out for orphans like the Bible tells us. That's really what true religion is, caring for those that don't have someone to defend them. You know, a very interesting uh, point that you brought up too is it says in the word that when you pay attention to your own work, you will receive satisfaction, fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Because I know so often that when we uh, compare and we compete with one another, that is the thief of all joy and all fulfillment in your life that you will feel out of doing what God has called you to do if you're constantly comparing yourself to what others are doing when it says to be, pay attention to what you're supposed to do. And then you're going to be fulfilled. Then you're going to receive all that satisfaction that comes from the work that you do, that mm -hmm. God has given you to do. That's such, a, that's such a great point. Um, what I want to bring up too that is so important is a very, uh, it's a very central to our lives as Christians is seasons of consecration. And um, consecration means the time of being set apart for the work of God. And I want to read to you just a little paragraph uh, from out of a book. It's called Not Safe, and the author is Mark Batterson. And just a little paragraph that he writes. Consecration means to set yourself apart. Consecration demands full devotion. It's dethroning yourself and enthroning Jesus. It's giving God veto power. It's surrendering your fear out of fear for him. Consecration is an ever-deepening love for Jesus, a childlike trust in the Heavenly Father, and a blind obedience to the Holy Spirit. Now, pay attention to this. When God wants to do amazing things in our lives, 
He calls us into a season of consecration, a time of setting ourselves apart to him. I don't know about any of you, but I feel like right now, all over the world, that God is calling Christians all over the world into a season of consecration because he's about to do something really amazing. He is about to let loose and just release something so amazing. And he's calling us as Christians into a season of consecration, of setting ourselves apart to him. Now, so often it always coincides, that season of consecration always coincides with that season of time where God is pruning the vine. He's pruning everything off the branches. And so I want to read to you John 15, 1 to 7. And Jesus says here, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message that I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. So I want to go back to the very top of that scripture where he talks about um, that he is the vine and the father is the gardener and he cuts off the branch that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. So what it, essentially what is that telling us? That's telling us that Everything, everything about you, God, when he created you and he made you and he thought of you and he formed you in your mother's room, everything was already inside of you. So as he's pruning you and shaping and building character in you, it's so that what is in you is caused to come out of you. That pressing, that squeezing, that consecration, that time of being set apart, that pressing of the pure olive oil coming out of you so that that character, that character shaping, that forming can be done in our lives so that we become image bearers, so that we become imitators of Christ and more like him, the more that God is working in our lives and pruning those branches off our lives. So there is a season for everything. And always what we need to remember, what we need to recognize is that the season before is always in preparation for the season that is ahead of us. And God is about all that all the time, preparing you for what he's already prepared for you. And if we surrender to that work, we surrender to that work of consecration, that time of being set apart, those are the times where God is really digging deep and getting in there and pruning those branches and the things that aren't conducive to life, the things that aren't bringing life, he's pruning those things off and then he's allowing that for all of that stuff that needs to come out of you, that he's pulling out of you, that he's developing out of you and that he wants to come out of you to create um, that shaping into the person that he needs you to be in order to be able to carry out what he's already prepared for you in the next season of your life. And everything, you remember, he's building that bridge for you. 
God is already, remember we're talking about the cup being half full or half empty. So when you're looking at the cup half full, your perspective is a positive one. It's God has already seen what's going to happen. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose for it all. And all of it is being woven into your story. And he's, from his perspective, he's saying, this is, this is part of the solution. What is happening in your life right now is a stepping stone. It's another uh, thing that I've put for you to help you. It's part of that solution, part of the plan to get you to where I need you to be on the other side in the next season. So it's not an obstacle. It's not something that he's trying to trick you with and throw into your path. Instead, God in his awesome power takes what the enemy is trying to throw in your path and take it and turn it into something where you are stepping on his head and telling him, no, devil, you're under my feet and you are going to step forward and and using it as a stepping stone to go where God needs you to be into that next season. So it becomes part of the very solution that God is working in your life. And if we truly believe that God is working all things together for your good, then it's good that is coming out of all of those things that are coming in our lives that are trying to hold us back. Those walls, those obstacles, and the things that are trying to keep us from what we're supposed to be doing. But if we keep our eyes on him, if we remember that the perspective that God has, he's seated in heaven, he's seated us in heavenly places with him, and he's trying to get us to that place where we're seeing, God, this is your perspective. And thank you that you're allowing me to see from your perspective that you have the bigger plan, you have the bigger purpose. And if I wait on you, and if I step out when you tell me to step out, that stepping stone, it's gonna be there. It's gonna be there, it's gonna get me to the other side to where I need to be. But we need to abide in him. I wanna point out in that scripture, it says that for apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me It's thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered up into a pile and burned. So what Jesus is essentially saying here is that if you don't choose to remain in him, abide in the vine, that the works that you accomplish here on earth, all you're doing is storing up treasures here on earth. You're not storing up any treasure in heaven because what you do in Jesus when you're abiding in the vine and when he's pruning you and when he's shaping you and when he's forming you, He is doing an eternal work, a work and a good in you that he's working out all things for good that keeps going, that always produces life. Everything that God does produces life. But the things that we do that aren't of him, that are just strictly for our benefit and for what we want, for our glory, to put all the attention on us, all those works are not going to survive in the judgment and they are going to be thrown into a pile and burnt up. They will mean nothing. But when we abide in Jesus and when we do the works that he's asked us to do, when we uh, remain in him and we are obedient and we surrender to the work that he's doing in our lives, we surrender to that consecration, that setting apart, that he is doing everything and that that work is eternal. That work will stand when you are standing accountable before the Lord and and everything is naked and exposed before him. You are standing before God and that will stand up in the fire because the purity, that pure olive oil, the pure gold that God has been working in those inside of your heart is going to be coming out of you in those times. And that is when you are going to be uh, gaining eternal, eternal fruit that is going to 
bear more fruit and not just for yourself, but it keeps going and produces fruit in someone else's life. That's good, Angel. So one of the things that you just said, if I heard that right, are we, is our motive to please God or are we looking for the accolades of men? Because if we want to please God, it's through Christ that we accomplish the things that he desires us to do and then we'll be rewarded forever as opposed to doing things outside of Christ will be rewarded in this life and get the accolades of men. And that's it. So what's our motive? We're going to go into communion now. So if you didn't have a chance to grab your elements before the service started, you can go do that. And I'm going to start reading from 1 Corinthians. The full context today in chapter 11, I'm going to read verses 23 to 31. It says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death death until he comes again. This is what I want you to pay attention to today. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. That is why you should examine yourself. Because if you don't discern the Lord's body properly, we're not worthy to receive it. And then he goes on, he says, for if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you're eating or drinking God's judgment upon yourself. And that is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. But if we would examine ourselves, again in verse 31, if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we're judged by the Lord, are we being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world? I will say this, that even though we are physically isolated, oh, I will say this now. I'm not in the scriptures now. I will say this. Even though we're physically isolated from one another, we're one body. And we still have to remember temporary separation doesn't deal with our oneness, but we do have to operate in God's kingdom principles, forgiveness, love, mercy, grace. We have to demonstrate the motive of we want to please God, not we want to please man. We have to demonstrate the motive of we want to obey God. We don't want to just look to ourselves. If we're looking to others, we want to gently and humbly help them not forget to deal with the log in our own eye before we deal with the speck in their eye. So as we come to the table today, I think it's really important. Every, every time that we partake of the Lord's Supper, you should examine your heart. Make sure there's no unforgiveness there. Make sure there's no ought. Make sure you have no wrong feelings or, or attitudes towards people. So just take a second and let's examine our heart now. And if there's something there that you need to confess, confess it to God now before we go to the table. So, Father, as each person has examined their heart today and we stand before you with clean hands and pure hearts, I thank you for the bread representing your brokenness. And as we've been looking within today, focusing on ourselves, are we in the faith? Do we pass the test? Are we 
producing the fruit of the Spirit inside of our life. Or we're choosing to walk away from the works of the flesh, anger and resentment and bitterness. Are we choosing to honor you? Are we connected to Jesus, our source, the vine? So today, Father, as we've looked within, I thank you that your word is alive and powerful and it's discerning our motives day in and day out. And in your brokenness, you made a way for us to be whole because we know that none of us have arrived. But Father, as we humble ourselves before you, I thank you that you're going to work inside of our lives and we're going to continue to develop the character of Christ as image bearers in your image and likeness today in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. You know, something that's also very important to recognize, to understand, is that consecration, when it means to set yourself apart, it is something that is intentional. It's a choice that you make to set yourself apart for a deeper work of God in your heart and in your life. And each season of consecration will always be different because God is always doing a new thing. And it should be that with each season of consecration, as you grow in the Lord, that it's deeper, that it goes deeper, that those things that go to the very core of your very being, that you're allowing God in and to expose those things so that he can get in and do that work of purification in our hearts and that we are setting ourselves in that place. We set ourselves apart to that work of consecration. It's the choice. And we thank Jesus for him making hit that choice that he made to set himself apart, to be the sacrifice for us that he would choose And from his perspective, he saw us. He saw us as the joy that was set before him so that he would endure the cross for us so that we could have eternal life with him. So Father, I thank you, Lord, for the cup. I thank you, Lord, for the choice that you made to endure the cross for us. I thank you, Lord, that in the same way That right now, we will choose right now to set ourselves apart for a season of consecration with you. For a time of you doing a deeper work in our heart. Because Lord, you're about to do something amazing. And Father, I thank you that as a body of Christ, we want to align ourselves with that amazing work. And we want to be ready We want all of the garbage and all of the filth and all of the things that are not life-giving to fall away and fall off of our life, Lord God. And that pure olive oil, that pure gold to come out of our character and in our hearts, Lord God, so that we are able and our character is able to stand, to stand with you, Lord Jesus, so that we are able to do the works that you've called us to do. So as we receive the sacrifice, the blood today, that reminds us of your great sacrifice, Lord God, I thank you that we choose today to surrender our lives to you and the work of consecration and sanctification in our lives, in our hearts, in Jesus' name. Well, thank you for tuning in with us today. 
I believe now would be a great time for us to receive our tithes and offerings, and we thank you, Windsor Christian Fellowship, for your faithfulness in this arena. I think next week we're probably going to take up a special missions offering for some of our missionaries. We know that globally a lot of them are struggling right now as their income sources have gone down. And we want to be a blessing to the body of Christ all around the world. And I know some of you are going, I need to just eat this week, and that's okay. But there's others that have a little bit more right now, and they'll be able to do that. So, Father, I thank you for the seed in our hands. May it never leave our lives and the great opportunity we have to sow into your kingdom today. Father, I thank you that you rebuke the devour from our lives, and there's no lack. And that your people, Lord, are going to rise up and be strong and that they are going to continue to prosper in these times that we live in today. Father, I thank you for the covenant that we have with you and you have established us here in this place and you are faithful to us and provide for us our food, clothing, and shelter today in the name of Jesus. Amen.